Texas Congressman Lance Gooden joins me to explain how major charities are aiding and abetting the human trafficking across our border. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I also have a lot to say about how the FBI is getting more and more partisan and why that is very dangerous for our nation. Follow the Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts. Ammo is expensive and in short supply. Did you know that you can train without ammunition at your home using the Mantis X? All the best shooters in the world do a significant portion of their training with dry fire practice at home. The Mantis X firearms training system is a no ammo, all electronic way to practice and improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your own firearm like a like a weapon light and you can use it at home or at the range. The Mantis X gives you data-driven real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. The Mantis X is used by the Marine Corps, Army, and Special Forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. And the Mantis X can improve your shooting dramatically, and it's a must-have for every gun owner. If you believe in your Second Amendment rights, you should also be able to act on your Second Amendment responsibility and be competent and confident in your shooting ability. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's Mantis x.com the president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy uh, the president has been clear as he can be on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy when we talk about our freedoms uh, the way that he sees is the maga republicans are the most energized part of the republican party uh, the that extreme this is an extreme threat to our democracy to our freedom i'm going to make fun of this all day and you're going to have to deal with it extreme maga oh my gosh are you extreme maga what is what makes one extreme welcome to the show dana lash here with you it's thursday sorry thursday it's friday eve good to be with you this thursday starting out we're gonna get you set up for your labor day weekend when they can define you like this, that means they can do whatever they want. They can justify whatever they want to do to you because, Kane, you're extreme MAGA. In my, can I get just cyber real quick? In my head, that sounds so much more hardcore when I say it like that, right? I sound like an old-timey weightlifter, you know, where they wore the, the, the sling onesie? Or a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had the strong man, and he would hold up the barbell, and he'd have the vaudevillian mustache, and... You know, all the hair everywhere. I, f- I feel in my head I sound like that. Do-, do I sound like that? Lie to me. Do I sound like that? Sure. Yeah. Woo. I just, can someone tell me what that is? Because they make it sound like it's the new COVID. It's extreme MAGA. But they, they this is what they do. They want to be able to say that you're all these things so they can justify whatever it is that they want to do to you. See, if you're extreme MAGA, then they can, wow, then they can employ some really dirty stuff in order to, you know, control you because you're extreme MAGA. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, come on, you're like extreme. But I'm just, you know, I was thinking about this. What makes someone, what makes someone extreme MAGA? Just because you want to be able to have a strong foreign policy, you like it when kids learn. I mean, this just sounds like Zoolander, doesn't it? I mean, this is, it, This sounds like the Mugatu administration. It really does. You guys know I'm right. So that's, that's the, he, apparently, so Biden's giving a speech tonight. Oh boy. I'm supposed to be off for Labor Day weekend because the radio folks were like, 
Oh my gosh, please, woman. They were all fervently praying. Please let her take some time off so we can have a four-day weekend. So I'm like, okay, I'll take, you know, everybody's doing something on Labor Day. I'm like, fine, I'll take Friday off. But I don't know, like now if it's like really crazy a speech, I'm going to have to be on air Friday to make fun of it. Because this is, I mean, it's getting to be, it's like a caricature of a bad politician. I'm waiting for Reese Witherspoon to just show up in a role. It, I mean, it is. So the president's, he's speaking uh, tonight where he's going. So how is his speech tonight going to be any different than his speech yesterday? Was it yesterday? Yeah. No, day before yesterday. Day before. Yeah. How is it going to be any different? Well, he plagiarizes a lot. So maybe he'll plagiarize himself. Because he he was, you know, they're mean and they're a threat to democracy and all this stuff. And apparently... I, you know, I'm just looking at some of the what a little bit of the preview that they've been giving out. Apparently, uh, it's going to be that again tonight. This one doesn't sound fun. I've seen that show. Can I just say this is the just the suckiest games of Game of Thrones season ever. I mean, they have a horrible press secretary. All the pre- all the you know the the king does is go out there and talk about extreme MAGA. I mean, it's just the worst Game of Thrones. He's like a if you wanted to know what Jeffrey Baratheon what he would be like if he hadn't been poisoned by Elena, it would be the president now. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. <sighs> I, I'm somewhat facetious, but there's a, there's a hint of truth there. They said that there's one excerpt that they shared. This comes from New Nation. And apparently this is, I think, a line in his... They're not going to send out the embargoed speech until like he's five minutes into it. Uh, but apparently one of his remarks is going to be, quote, the continued battle for the soul of the nation in Independence National Historical Park in Philadelphia. They said that uh, he's going to talk about uh, the, quote, unquote, core values of our nation, our standing in the world, and our democracy are at stake. And we have made some progress as a nation, and we need to protect our democracy. But our rights and our freedoms are still under attack. And then they added, the president's going to make clear who's fighting for those rights and who's fighting for those freedoms and who's fighting for a democracy. What is this? Hey, can, can you talk to us about uh, how expensive everything is? Have you guys tried? So like one of the things I like to eat is sliced avocado with the everything bagel seasoning on it. I mean, avocados are great, right? I mean, full of natural fats, one of the healthiest things you could eat. It really is manna, manna from heaven. You know how expensive them things are now? You know how expensive everything is now? You go and, and you get uh, I mean anything, name it. It's so expensive. Can we just talk about the, the things that average American families are freaking out about? Because this is all theater from Democrats. They are trying so hard to hijack the narrative away from the economy. Republicans need to not take this bait. Let people like me make fun of it. But they need to just continue to focus on the things that matter to average everyday Americans. They need to focus on energy prices, gas prices. I mean, for the love, did you, I I mentioned this yesterday. They're getting more details out about it today. They're actually telling people that they're going to have to start rationing their electrical usage in California because the grid can't handle it. Now, mind you, this came the day after, literally the day after they were telling California was telling everyone in the state, we're going to ban gas-powered vehicles by 2030. So hurry up and charge up the EVs. I mean, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. We could talk about energy independence. Maybe we could just address some of the concerns that people have, supply chains. I mean, we literally still have a formula shortage. How is this? 
We're the United States of America, okay? Let me just, let me just lay the, this is the land of plenty. I was going to share this story yesterday. There was this, um, I'm trying to think, this was like in the 90s. Boris Yeltsin had never been into a supermarket, right? This was in 19, I think, 89. He was the Russian president. Because you have, you know, the prime minister and the president, like Medvedev and Putin. So he went to a Clear Lake grocery store. This was in Houston. Randall's Supermarket, 1989. He was the newly elected president as the Soviet Parliament, Supreme Soviet, he visited Johnson Space Center. This is when we're trying to like normalize things and make it to where we don't blow each other up with nukes. And he had never been to a supermarket before. Keep in mind how Russia controls its media, the government. So he goes into a Randall's. He's 58 years old. All of the journalists there, they all had different pieces about it. But he went around wide-eyed, roaming the aisles of Randall's, the Chronicle noted at the time, nodding his head in amazement. He told his fellow Russians in his entourage that if their people who must wait in line for most goods saw the conditions of U.S. supermarkets, there would be a revolution. They had never seen anything like this before. Reporters at the time noted that even the members of the entourage were wide-eyed and slack-jawed. They couldn't believe the amount of meat, red meat, fresh produce, milk. Yeltsin was asking customers, what were you buying? How much did it cost? He asked the store manager if one needed a special education and license to manage the store. There are photos of him standing before the, the, the refrigerated case in the fresh fish market. He was rubbing his hands together. He did not know what a frozen pudding pop was. He was asking reporters about frozen pudding pops. He said, quote, even the Politburo, and that's the governing body of communists in Moscow, even the Politburo doesn't have this choice, not even Mr. Gorbachev, he said. He could not believe that there were thousands of items in the store. The interpreters that were with the group later noted that he kept marveling at how many of one item there was so that people, different people could get each get something. And when he was informed that there were in fact stores like these on every corner in America and sometimes multiple in one town, he was shocked. He couldn't believe they were offering free cheese samples. Nothing like what a Russian grocery store looked like at home. And he didn't leave empty-handed. They gave him a little small bag of goodies to enjoy on the rest of his trip, says the Chronicle. And they said that on his flight to his next destination, he went from Houston to Miami, he was described by the reporters traveling with him and later meeting him at the airport as, quote-unquote, despondent. He couldn't stop thinking about the plentiful food at the grocery store. 
and how that compared to what was in Russia. He wrote about, in his, in his own autobiography, he wrote about the experience at Randall's. And it rocked his view of communism. And he actually began trying, I mean, look, you're a commie, you know, I'm not going to lionize no commie. But when you are raised generationally as a communist, when you know nothing of freedom, and you come to what is described as the great enemy, and you see the land of plenty, it really rocks your worldview. And so it did with Yeltsin. He wrote, quote, when I saw those shelves crammed with hundreds, thousands of cans, cartons and goods of every possible sort for the first time, I quite frankly, I felt quite frankly sick with despair for the Soviet people, he wrote in his own autobiography. He added that such a potentially super rich country as ours had been brought to such a state of poverty. It's terrible to think about. He actually left the Kremlin voluntarily. Now I want you to look at where the United States is right now. We're dealing with a formula shortage. We're the country where you can walk into a supermarket, you can get some uh, chicken tendies for your kids, and they can snack on in the cart while you go and you get your tire changed. You pick up a box of uh, tampons. You go get a a six-foot-tall inflatable lawn Santa. You can go and get your family photos or your kids' photos at the Olin Mills, you know, in the Walmart Supercenter in front of a beautiful fall vignette. You can go and do all of these things in a one-stop shop. Go and get you some eyeglasses. You know, get get your dog food, your cat food, stock up on some milk, get some fresh beef. That is the the gloriousness of America brought to you by liberty. And look at where, what we're dealing with now. High prices, formula shortages. And instead of addressing any of this, the freedom which brought us plenty, which actually rocked the communist perspective of a longtime Soviet leader causing him to voluntarily leave the Kremlin, instead of talking about what we can do to make sure that people can feed their kids and afford gas in their car, what is he going to be talking about? He's going to be navel-gazing and screaming about MAGA, extreme MAGA. That's not a president. That's a fool. Absolute fool. We have... It makes me feel like that, I'm telling you. Does that scare you? See, they don't know that I got all this stuff. Excuse me, it's ma'am. Yeah, thank you. As ransomware and other cyber attacks continue to sweep the nation, traditional antiviruses continue to fail as they cannot detect new malware and ransomware. And that's because they operate off a blacklist. And many of these antiviruses are made in the same foreign countries that the malware originates from. PCmatic is the only solution that is 100% made in America and uses proprietary whitelist technology to protect against all known and unknown cyber threats, including ransomware, malware, identity theft, and nation-state attacks. PCmatic protects homes and businesses of all sizes. PCmatic also makes your computers run faster by performing automated maintenance and system optimization. Protect your devices with an American-made cyber solution. PCmatic is just $50 for five devices for one entire year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Act now and receive $5 off your entire order of PCmatic protection by visiting PCmatic.com Dana. Again, to protect you and your family from ransomware, malware, and other cyber threats, visit PCmatic.com Dana. 
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. This has to be one of the worst stories I have ever read. Check this out. A 26-year-old baggage handler was scout after getting her hair tangled in a luggage conveyor while taking luggage off of Frontier Flight at New Orleans Airport. Dramani Thompson got her hair tangled in a baggage belt while unloading the plane. She was rushed to the hospital. She passed away from this. Passed away from it. They, she, it was a horrific workplace accident. She was scalped, and she'd been working on the what they call an apron, an area where the aircraft is parked, loaded, unloaded, refueled, etc. And she, I mean, she had long hair too, really pretty long hair. Oh my gosh! I just that is horrific. I can't even imagine. Oh man, that didn't that just get man? That just freaks me out. Gibson's Bakery wins. Ohio Supreme Court refused to hear the appeal of a fine against Oberlin College. Remember, they had discriminated against the bakery and really treated them horribly. And they were going to have to pay out $36 million. It was a 4-3 decision. So after all of this, these years-long fight, Gibsons can now collect, and they deserve every dime of it. And the university has more than enough in their endowment. So I'm cheering this double time. Student test scores plunged during the pandemic, says the Washington Post. Yeah, great job, Randy Weingarten, and all of the people on the left who wanted our kids to stay home. We have more on the way. Stick with us. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code Dana to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join the movement and make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, or call 972-PATRIOT. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. What is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win, or excuse me, to to work? Um. That's John Fetterman in Pennsylvania at a speech. Was that that was yet? Was that speech yesterday or the or the evening of the day before? I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Uh, wow, that was uh, that was rough. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. Always good to be with you this Thursday for Labor Day weekend. Hope you had a good summer. We're in the Burr months officially now. It's time for spooky season. I can get my everyday supplies. This, I, this whole thing with um, Pennsylvania, I was reading about, let me pull this up. I was reading about this fight that uh, Peter Thiel and Mitch McConnell are having about funding different Senate candidates. And it's just, it's kind of, it's just, it's some power jockeying and influence fighting. And I hate all that stuff. And I, I noticed yesterday while that fight was going on, 
that and Republicans were getting involved in that. Did you see the way that the Fetterman campaign is responding to criticism or not even criticism when you hear a guy running for Senate talk like that? It is perfectly legitimate and just to ask whether or not his health issues could impact his performance if elected. In fact, it's your job to ask that. And so bringing the stuff up, because I think somebody, I think it was some Oz surrogate, surrogate that retweeted it or something. And the Fetterman campaign came back much in the way that Biden came back and, and said, I have a stutter. Don't make fun of the fact that I can't string two words together. That's kind of ignorant to say that, by the way, because that's not what people who stutter, that's not what they deal with. Fetterman was saying, it's so mean. How dare you ask that? I've had a stroke. I've had a stroke. How dare you ask that? Have you seen some of the stuff that Fetterman and his campaign have said about Oz? I mean, it's, it's petty and really juvenile and really mean-spirited, and he really wants to act like a tough guy. But then you ask a legit question about whether or not he could actually do his job as an elected official because of his health. And he immediately wants to play victim and say, oh, you can't do that. You can't ask me any questions. So apparently you're not allowed to ask any questions or make any kind of observations about Oz's health or our Fetterman's health. Because he's going to hit, hit back and say, boo, you can't say that. I've had a stroke. That's not like a get out of criticism free card, dude. You're running for the elect. You're running for office. You're running for Senate. If you if people have every right to ask you about this, you don't get to dodge that. No, if you don't want to answer it, then get out of the race. I have to say, this is the stupidest campaign I've ever seen. Can I just for one minute, Pennsylvanians, I'm just we are all wrapping you up in a big hug right now because, wow, it's tough. It's tough. I can imagine it's tough for you guys. These are your candidates. Neither of them can campaign. And. I see the stuff that Oz's campaign puts out. I retweeted this and I removed it off my rundown. I guess I just didn't want to talk about it anymore last night. But I saw this is what Fetterman tweeted. He goes, I survived a stroke. Plenty of others have dealt with health challenges, too. Can you imagine if you had a doctor who mocked you for it? Dude, you're running for Senate. You mocked him from for everything about where he's from to his health. So don't act sensitive now. But it is just wild to see the way that Oz's campaign has been handling some of this stuff. They were hitting him and going back at, at one of the debates. And um, it, it, I, I just I want to know who's making these decisions. I, someone said this guy makes Joe Biden sound like Chris Hitchens. I mean, he's not, someone said he's not running for Make-A-Wish. He's running for Senate. So people can absolutely ask him about this. But the Oz campaign, oh man, I really need them to campaign better. Really. I, I mean, we're, I really need them to campaign better. It's just, it's rough. They said that uh, Fetterman was acting like he, he wasn't well enough to go to one debate. If you can't debate, you can't do your job. How, how are you going to be a Senate? He's limited. I get that he's had he, he attended a campaign fundraiser in the Hamptons and he's had limited public appearances and he's only held two public appearances. He had a stroke in March uh, and he had speeches in uh, Erie and in Pittsburgh. And that's when he went after where Oz is from and how much money he has and 
he said he was working with a speech therapist, etc. And he apparently, though, he was trying to get out of these debates. He was saying, oh, he's recovering. But then he was like going to the Hamptons for fundraisers. And then when people ask questions about his health, he he accuses you of mocking him. And you can't say he they're trying to make it to where it's a sacred thing. You can't ask anything about his health. Otherwise, you're a mean person. Aren't you a mean person if you don't want to be transparent to the people that you demand to represent and you don't tell them anything about your health? I mean, that kind of seems, you know, that that kind of seems like that's that's what's mean. It just um, golly. Just. I don't know. It's he's well enough. He's well enough to debate. He really is well enough to debate. Now, I have a couple of other things here. I have some polling. Uh, Biden's approval fell under 40 percent. Now, now we're under 40. What was it at the RCP average? I think had him. What did it? Let me pull this up. I had this saved. The RCP average, I think, has him at uh, 42 approval. But this latest Reuters poll, no, it's got him under that. I mean, it falls, uh, I mean, it's, it's bad. It's under 40% for the first time. Reuters Ipsos poll, Whew. 38% now. You know, Reuters, that super conservative survey firm. But his approval was 41 last week, and it's been mostly below 40, Reuters noted, since mid-June. And that's uh, pretty problematic. But the way that this, because he's he's got that's that's it's forty it's uh, forty two RCP average thirty eight with the latest Reuters. So you can see now why he's really trying to he's trying to look like he's going on offense for some reason. I you know he's set to give uh, federal employees a raise in twenty twenty three. I know, it's so great, right? Expanding the IRS, giving all federal employees a, a raise. Uh, that's stuff that's going to work real well. Meanwhile, his Democrats are hemorrhaging minority voters. This is, they are quickly becoming the party of the blue blood elite. They said that it's particularly blacks, Hispanics, and Asians are abandoning him by pretty large numbers. There was a series of Zogby polls that show that these three demos that made up a significant portion of the Democrat base is incredibly far below what is needed to win in the fall elections, much less 2024. In They said in the case of uh, Black Americans and Hispanic Americans, his approval numbers are down double digits. They said they said uh, no more than 35% of each group would choose him in 2024 against anybody. This is where it's different from the one poll that said that uh, Democrats would support Biden overwhelmingly if and only if Trump was the Republican nominee. And Biden was like one of, you know, two Democrats who could potentially run. But when you break it down further, that's all white Democrats. It's all white, you know, progress, very, very far left. Uh, You know, the grad school with all the debt. It's all those people. Hispanic Americans, black Americans, Asian Americans. They don't at all. doesn't matter who he's running against. Man, for instance, with black Americans, just within the just within the last month, his approval's down seventeen points. 
it's it's that that's pretty harsh and it gets it gets even worse with hispanic americans with asian americans it's bad None of this stuff that he's doing, and it's going to get, you're going to feel the, see the effects of this more, and you're going to see these numbers decrease further as the effects of the student loan stuff kick in. I mean, it, it's, there's no way he's, they're, 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 hef, they're having to shift. They're having to shift everything. That's why they're focusing so much on all of this, you know, the MAGA Republican. They're trying to do to Uh, The MAGA stuff, that word MAGA, which is just short for Make America Great Again, they're trying to do to that what Reagan did to liberal. The word liberal, he he poisoned that word. That's why people started using progressive. But I don't think that they, they, I don't think that they can do that. I don't think they have the influence of people to do that. I really don't. But that's now you can kind of see why they're focusing on all of this. Now, something else interesting, I'm going to, I'm going to break this down further here later on. But there was, let me pull this up. The uh, special election that was in Alaska, where Palin lost the special election. I admittedly, I have not, I had not followed this race very closely. I knew it was happening. She was going up against a Democrat uh, who was able to take that seat, take that seat from her. They said in the first round of voting, the results were 40.2% for the Democrat, 31.3% for Palin. And uh, they, they, cause this was a special election, so they have different rules. But, um, then they have a new ranked choice voting method. But long story short, Palin ended up winning. And I feel like a lot of people are trying to read a lot into this. They were saying that Palin was disliked in Alaska, and that's the reason why there was this victory. Other ones, though, are saying, which I think this is most likely, the ranked choice voting. And this is the first time since 1973 that this has happened. That a Demo- it's because of that that a Democrat is going to be in the U.S. House seat, Marriott Peltola, because they had uh, Republican Representative Don Young who passed away earlier this year. It's because of the way that they have their voting, the way that they do this ranked choice voting system. It barely passed in 2020. 50.5% barely passed. So I'll explain some of that coming up because their media is trying to use this as a narrative to say, don't be so fast to say that bad polling for Democrats means that they, that will lose. And they're using that as a way to drive momentum. They're really seizing on this race. But there's some there's an explanation behind that. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 9 Nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text DANA to 998899. 
Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to wait for it. Do you remember the 21st night of September? See, there we go. Now we got it in. It's like we got to play uh, It's Gonna Be May by... What's, there, what's that Justin Timberlake band name? Instinct. Instinct, that's right. And we got to play that in May. We got to play some Earth, Wind, and Fire on September 1st. Although, technically, we're, hey, make a note, we got to actually play it on September 21st since this is the 21st night of September. So we got to, for the people who are watching the simulcast of the syndicated radio show that does not have the license to play the music, they're like, what is going on here? It's Earth, Wind, and Fire. September, you got you to play it because it's September 1st. Also, is this not one of the most, like, awesome bands ever? I mean, for real, dude. Like, I will break this. I will break out some Earth, Wind & Fire during, like, a backyard barbecue. Like, I rotate that into my playlist, and my kids are like, okay, yeah, this this song's pretty jamming. This is pretty cool. So my oldest actually digs them now. So there you go. I actually, I I attribute it to my uh, my stepdad, because he would play records every Sunday. And he'd play everything. Earth, Wind & Fire. He played everything Motown. Everything. So, speaking of some entertainment, one of my greatest joys is when I see, like, copyright stuff expire after 100-some-odd years because of the crazy stuff that happens with the more famous uh, properties, like Winnie the Pooh. Have you guys heard about this? So, Winnie the Pooh, there's an, they, the copyright, we, you have to be careful. You can't put a red shirt on him. So, the... Copyright protection still exists for the red-shirted Winnie the Pooh, but you could do basically a yellow, a yellow bear eating honey and all that stuff. So there's some people who had a lot of fun with it. And now that you, know, you can use Winnie the Pooh, not red-shirted, in a number of different things, they created an actual horror film called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Play some of the trailer, because I am fascinated by this. Spooky stuff happening right now. You know, now. you're the first person I ever shown this place to. Why am I so special? They're in a hundred acre wood, we'll super scary woods. You should be close now. We're not going to find them. We will. Mm. Pooh, Piglet, Eeyore. We were friends for many years, and they're out there. So Christopher Robin abandoned them, and they're really mad, and they got a, they've got a, uh, a grudge against them. We need to leave now. I really need to find out what's happening. They're coming in for payback. So Winnie the Pooh entered public domain back in February. And so the original Winnie the Pooh character from A.A. Milne's book, it's 1926, I think it was. Yeah, it was 1926. The original character without the red shirt is what entered public domain. But then changes to the character after that with the red shirt, etc. That is still copyrighted. So that's... There was a really interesting piece that I was reading, how public is public domain, because it's, there are copyright limitations of public domain works. So that's what I mean, like no red shirt. You got to, you know, but it's it's called the unprotected poo. It's hysterical. So I'm actually totally going to watch this movie. I'm totally going to watch it. Right. I think I'm mm-hmm. now one other thing you want to subscribe to the newsletter, because one of the things I'm going to start doing beginning next week is I've watched every scary movie out there. And I'm going to think I think I'm going to make a list of my favorite scary movies, like the best ones, because there's we need better scary movies out there. I love scary movies. They relax me. I watch them and I'm like, hmm, life isn't so stressful. I'm going to go to sleep now. Oh, I feel so relaxed. 
So like the exorcist, it's like you could be spider walking down the stairs and like all like your skin could look bad and you could be like vomiting blood or and, and goo all over the room, but you're not. So, you know, take comfort in that. Anyway, so I'll make a list and I'm going to send that out as part of a newsletter for subscribers so you can find it over at Substack Chapter and Verse. So coming up, my friend Phil Kirpin is going to join us because one of the things that is buried away in the uh, Inflation Make It Bigger Act is rating Medicare to once again, and if it feels like deja vu, it's because it is, rating Medicare to pay for Obamacare again. We're gonna, he's going to explain all of that to us because that's in that bill. we got a lot more on the way, including some wokery. Stay with us. Second hour on the way. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. It kept me up at night. I know what it is uh, to have guns in the hands of not only dangerous people, illegal guns, but even innocent people. Uh, we saw what happened in uh, Florida uh, when we had a young man shot uh, merely because he was basically wearing a hoodie. Uh, having a gun uh, is not a way to keep a city uh, safe. Oh, boy. So that's Eric Adams. The mayor of New York City, who he and Kathy Hochul are announcing all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know how, like gun bans and and, uh, in parts of New York, which I don't know how well that's, I don't see that going unlitigated. Welcome back to the program. Second hour of the show here this Thursday, ahead of Labor Day. Yeah, one of the things that Adams noted, and I'm going to share with you here coming up, the actual, the crime rate in New York and part of the... uh, one of the things that's been happening with uh, repeat offenders there. So he's actually, he said that they're going to, he's vowing door-to-door checks on gun permits. And this is part of the New York's gun safety law, which is not actually about gun safety. They, he and Hochul, Hochul have slammed uh, concealed carry. There's been a 54% increase. This is all after the Supreme Court overturned the law that they had, that 1913 law, uh, where you had to show proper cause, and that was determined to be unconstitutional. So now they're trying to figure out how to still stop people from carrying. So they said there was a 54% increase in applications for carry license. Uh, the, The new laws take effect today in New York. And they said that over 1,500 applications have been filed since June 1st. And big surges in Suffolk County, Erie County, and Western New York. And he was, they, they were kind of making fun of, you know, law-abiding gun owners and all this stuff. And, you know, saying that, you know, this is not the Wild West, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They've had these uh, Department of Transportation trucks driving around the city, 
near Times Square in Midtown with the flashing yellow sign saying this is going to be a gun-free zone. They've been posting gun-free zone signs all around because they said there's going to be a number of places where we're not going to allow it. Um, it just It's really it's kind of nutty to see some of this. Also, they put up a map where they show all of the gun-free signs, gun-free signs posted, and they said that they're marked with a little gun symbol. So they literally provide a little map for you, for not for you, but for the criminals to let them know where they can go to prey on people. And it's like, this is our gun-free zone sign. It's right by Bryant Park. It's right there Midtown. Goes over, you know, all the time square. It's, it's I think, between 39th and um, it, goes from, it goes from 40th to 53rd. And it's, they, I, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's just a map. Do you think that, honestly, criminals are going to be like, wait a minute. Let me stop here. This map, uh, this map says I can't bring my gun in here. Guess I'm not going to bring my. Gu- oh, see, because I'm, I can't, I can't bring my gun in here. Uh, let's see, I'm about ready to, uh, you know, I'm going south. I'm, uh, you know, about ready to, you know, cross into the gun-free zone area. I guess I got to find a place. I guess I got to go back home, put it there. You think honestly, criminals are going to have this? No, they're not. It's just, it's, and the other, the crazy thing is, Hogel and Adams, they keep saying, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this door to door stuff for permits, if you get and all. But NYPD, they said that we don't have any additional resources to actually enforce this stuff. They said that, well, Adams said that they're that police officers will employ quote good old fashioned methods of investigation. They're going to knock on neighbors' doors as part of a background check requirements on potential gun permit holders, uh, for their that safety law. And all of this, all the people who's seeking concealed carry that couldn't get it before, all that takes effect for them today. So they can, that's why so many people are applying. <sighs> now, NYPD, they said that they can't add additional officers to enforce new rules right off the bat. And they said that, you know, this is going to be kind of stressful on our resources currently. Remember, Democrats wanted to defund everything except the FBI and IRS. And uh, then now, I guess, I. I this is wild. Now, Hochul was saying that she wanted, because she, you know, she obviously wanted more than just what they were getting. But they act like all the crime. She had said, she tweeted, she goes, keeping New Yorkers safe is my top priority. Starting tomorrow, this is yesterday, concealed weapons will no longer be permitted on subways and bars and in the following sensitive locations. Uh, bas- public demonstrations and rallies everywhere, basically. It's all a joke. Here's why it's a joke. 80% of repeat offenders who are arrested on subsequent felony gun charges are allowed to walk. True story. This is from their own police data. More than 80% of perpetrators in illegal possession were put back on the streets after they were busted for gun possession in New York, illegal possession, earlier this year. Over 2,386 people, actually 2,386 people, this was from last month, were arrested with a firearm. They said that there's, you know, that was the stats from last month, not just all the offenses within a month. They said that gun arrests in custody, 19.5%, out of custody, over 80%. They said that the vast majority are arrested with a second firearms charge. 
I mean, and they had a, a New York City special narcotics prosecutor. He was saying that, yeah, about 80% of the uh, people arrested uh, for firearm arrest are back out on the street because of their bail reform law that took place in 20. Remember that 2019, it was super controversial and it was responsible for allowing some of these, like if you com- committed assault, like violent offenders back out on the street to reoffend. There've been people who've been killed because these people have been allowed to walk, get back on the street. Yeah, and as Kane noted, that's even above the average recidivism rate. It is. Uh, also, apparently, just in from, I think, what, 2019, they said a ton of people that were arrested in shootings already had pending felony firearm possession charges because they were repeat offenders. That number increased four times by four, four times over. And, of course, it's the, it's the same group of repeat offenders that are committing, they said, uh, rough, roughly the majority of the shootings that have taken place. I mean... It is something to behold. And it, New York Post has stories on all of these people with all of these felony charges. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, people who've never done anything wrong and like, you know, misdemeanor. I'm talking about people who've been in jail. They're already prohibited possessors by nature of previous felony convictions. They get out. They immediate, immediately reoffend. They are in illegal possession of a firearm. And usually it's like firearm and drug, firearm and gang. And... Then they, uh, when they're when they're charged, when they're arrested, they get to walk because remember the bail reform. Bail reform. That's all about that restorative justice. That Soros stuff. They said that uh, New York Police Department said they have neighborhood safety teams. They've made numerous firearms arrests. New York Post is only able to get uh, records. They had like thirty cases out of for like twelve of them. And of the twelve that the New York Post was able to get, only one guy actually went to jail. 11 of the uh, defendants were immediately released back on the street. Cut loose with no bail, New York Post reports. One of them, by the way, they said was one of those who walked, uh, Tyquise Bell, 23, he was nabbed by uh, their neighborhood safety team. It's their anti-gun team. That's what they're supposed to do. It's their anti-gun unit. They said that he was able to walk even after he had a Taurus pistol inside of the lower leg of his pants. And he was he was already a repeat offender. He wasn't supposed to have it. It's a felony charge. And he was able to walk right out. And they said that this is one of the things that New York PD said, NYPD said, is that it's lacks judges and bail reform. Now you have Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams doing all of this posturing. We're going to ban guns in these areas. They never say anything about the criminals. They're always about, you know, it's like the Wild West. These people applying for guns, gun permits. These are not the people causing the issue, increasing the crime. These are not the people doing this. Hochul apparently only cares about these violent repeat offenders, not the law abiding who are going to be victimized several times over from this. You have all these people who are allowed to walk free from felony charges. You know, the only people who are going to look at this and obey it will be law-abiding people. The people that are getting preyed on by these repeat offenders. I mean, the data is all here. It's all public. It's not like this is hidden. You know, it takes like two seconds to find it. 
I mean, if you want to do a deep dive, even you can go, especially the felony charges. Those are listed on the crime reports. It's all a part of the National Crime Information Center. Crime. I mean, all all this data is collected. It's I mean, it's just amazing that they don't even touch on this when they're when they're lecturing people about obtaining firearm permits. And so 80 percent. Think about that. That and their lax bail reform. This is not going to do a single thing. This is a joke. Just like the immigration stuff that they... So Lori Lightfoot, Chicago mayor, she says that Greg Abbott is a racist for busing 60 illegal entrants to her city, even though she has said that Chicago is a sanctuary city. But she, he's... No, go ahead. Kane, you add it. You don't, your t- Kane is typing furiously in Slack. Stop it. So, go, so go. Biden, who's been flying them and busing them all over the country since he got into office, is, does, is he racist? No, he's a Democrat. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's, that's the difference. I get it. Now. I mean, and she's also not a racist for demanding, for not wanting them welcomed in her sanctuary city, apparently. I don't, even, I, I don't know how that works, but okay. The, I, it, yeah, it's, this is, it's nutty. It's, it's absolutely nutty. But this is Chicago mayor. Yeah, he's a racist for sending 60 people to Chicago, but it was a sanctuary city. They bragged about this. Are they not a sanctuary city now? You, uh, they had all of these opportunities. What happened to it? These people only believe in their policies as long as their policies don't actually affect them. It's, it's truly something else. We have some headlines on the way. And also coming up, Phil Kirpin is going to be joining us. You know the inflation, the make inflation bigger bill that biden signed it's going to be raiding medicare again to pay for obamacare we were talking a little bit about that he's going to break this down for us and explain exactly how they're repeating the same it's just like biden repurposing this stuff from obama biden this how is this going to make inflation better texas congressman lance gooden joins me to explain how our government and various charities are actually aiding and abetting the human trafficking across our border. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Gooden will also tell us which charities are doing the most harm. And I have a lot to say about how the FBI is getting more and more partisan and why that is very dangerous for our nation. Join us. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Oh, Stephen Colbert has officially lost his ratings battle with my friend Greg Gutfeld. So the show Gutfeld was the most successful in that late night landscape, in that television category this past month. Colbert's late show went unchallenged. And now, no, it was Gutfeld got 2.19 million viewers compared to Colbert's 2.15 million so look at that. Do you think that uh, media is gonna? No, media is not gonna announce it. Come on, let's let's let's, let's be real. This was a, a story. This is from uh, an NBC. No, sorry, Fox Five in New York. They were this survey. It was a new Gallup poll. They said 16% of Americans say they currently smoke marijuana more than they do cigarettes. Uh, they said last year, 12% of respondents said they used marijuana. Uh, 48% said, said they tried it at some point in their life. 16% said they currently do. Currently smoke it. That's... I don't care. I really don't. I don't give a rat's ass about pot. I don't care. 
I don't care. I want, I want to be able to... You can't even carry your gun anymore. We're going to sit here and focus on... Shut up. Stupid. Uh, let's see. Yeah, even after the Supreme Court. Even after that Supreme Court fight. This... Uh, Norwegian Tesla owners go on a hunger strike over bad customer service, they said, and build quality. Mm. They said Tesla hunger strike in Tesla country. Number one, they're, they're, they're Norwegians are striking. Apparently, it's this problem that they're that Tesla's dealing with. It's not the best PR. Apparently, it's according to a re- report by the Drive. They said that they're trying to get Tesla's attention by doing this. There's all kinds of pictures. They they parked their cars in a parking lot that said and spelled help. It's actually kind of clever, but um, I don't know. I don't trust a lot of the stuff that I read about the Tesla thing. You know the commercials where the guy was like, "Oh, Tesla's driving their uh, self-navigation or self-driving uh, software is the worst ever." What the guy in the commercial didn't tell you is that he's the owner of the competing company that makes the software that does the same thing. That's what they don't tell you. You didn't know that, did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. A couple. Golly, a couple got booted from a Major League Baseball game because they were being skanks, like actual skanks in the bleachers. It was a Toronto Blue Jays game and it was on Monday evening and they just, I mean, people recorded it. It was ridiculous. And they, thankfully, there were no other attendees sitting next to the pair and it was on the ground of the Rogers Center Stadium. Isn't this the second time this week that something like this came up? What is wrong with people? Like you, do you not have homes and bedrooms in your homes? Like you don't need to be doing that at the ballpark. Nobody wants to see that mess. Up next, Phil Kirpin and how the inflation bill that Biden signed is using Medicare to raid, to raiding Medicare to pay for Obamacare. Again, stick with us. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Find me on Substack over at Chapter and Verse where we've talked quite a bit about the make inflation bigger. I'm just not even going to call the bill what it's supposed to be called. And when all of this began, when all of the discussion began about this, one of the things that was we were learning about it that was tucked away in it was this this Medicare raid to help pay for Obamacare and price controls for drugs. And I we were just, you know, we, we were having this discussion about coming up with uh, uh, vaccines, et cetera, vaccines, for coronavirus and all of this other stuff. And I just thought, well, what's going to happen when we're reducing these companies' ability to do things like that because of the excessive taxation and regulation that's now apparently tucked away in this in this bill? Joining us right now to talk about that, he's he's followed this relentlessly. Phil Kirpin, president of American Commitment and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. He's got a great piece about this that gets into how Democrats are raiding Medicare once again to pay for Obamacare again. Phil, thanks for joining us. I mean, this is this is like Obama Biden 2.0. I mean, this is just a continuation of what they what we've debated this and they're doing this. It's just wild. Talk to us about this, because this is I mean, this is billions of dollars. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable because I looked for a little while like this was going to be the entirety of the reconciliation bill. And then, of course, Manchin cut his deal and they brought back all of the green energy and the electric car stuff. And and that sort of overshadowed the Obamacare spending, which is still in the bill, but became, you know, much smaller as a portion of the whole and therefore got a lot less attention. But really, the uh, the extension of these supersized Obamacare subsidies is a really bad policy. They've essentially taken the roof off, the lid off of who qualifies for 
for Obamacare subsidies. It was originally only up to 400% of the federal poverty level. They've now made it, uh, they've now eliminated income qualification. And so if premiums are very high in your area, uh, you can cap out as you can get up to 9% of your income uh, in taxpayers pick up the rest, no matter how much money you make. And so in some expensive areas, high cost areas, with high premiums, you can get people who have five, six hundred percent of the federal poverty level who are getting subsidies even higher than that potentially. And so it's an enormous expenditure of money. And what we've seen over the last couple of years is a lot of employers are dropping their coverage. And of course, we saw this in the first round of Obamacare, but a lot of employers are dropping their coverage because they say, look, you can get subsidized coverage from Obamacare. It's going to be better for you. It's going to be cheaper for everyone. And so millions of people have moved off private, you know, private employer provided coverage into the Obamacare exchanges, into the expanded Medicaid roles. And so as a consequence of that, we're spending just a massive amount of money for very small gains in coverage. Most of the people we're now paying for are people who previously had coverage, who've lost it. And so, I mean, it ends up being over $40,000 that taxpayers are spending for each newly insured person, just a completely insane amount of money. And then, you know, kind of the uh, emergency was, it was only supposed to be for two years. And of course, now they've extended it for three more years. And the insurance companies, I don't know how they've got total ownership of the Democratic Party, but it's pretty remarkable to me because they had very low claims for the last couple of years. People were not going to the hospital. They were not going to doctors. They either were scared of COVID or they didn't want to deal with the masks and visitor restrictions or whatever the reason was. We had record low utilization. So premiums should have come down. Instead, they stayed about even. And then as utilization started to come up and we we still haven't reached 2019 levels, by the way. But as utilization started to come up, the insurance company said, oh, my God, people are coming back to healthcare settings. We're going to have to jack premiums up through the roof. Congress, you better expand subsidies or you're going to get blamed for it. And it's going to be a pl-. and instead of doing oversight and holding them accountable and figuring out why they were having these massive premium increases, they said, great, we'll extend them. Taxpayers will pick up all the costs. And so how do they pay for that? How do they pay for that and the green energy stuff and all the rest of this bill? Well, they've got three basic ways. They've got this new financial uh, statement, income tax on large publicly traded companies. That's got a lot of attention, though probably not as much as it deserves. There's the IRS expansion, doubling the size of the IRS. That's got most of the attention and it probably deserves it because it's a disaster. But then the third way is that they raid Medicare. Uh, they raid Medicare by imposing inflation caps on existing drugs and for and starting in 2026, they've got this process where the secretary of HHS will effectively set the price. They call it a negotiation because that word pulls very well. But this negotiation goes like this. The secretary tells you what the price is. The manufacturer can agree or disagree and negotiate. But at the end of the day, if they don't take the secretary's price, they get taxed 95% of their total sales of that product, uh, which the estimated revenue from that is zero because they don't believe any company would ever be able to say no to the government price under that circumstance. So it's price setting, it's price fixing. And they figure through these provisions, they can take about $200 billion out of Medicare prescription drug spending to divert to those other things, the bailouts of the, the insurance companies and green energy and so forth. Uh, I think it is insane to believe you can forcibly take that much money out of uh, prescription drug spending in Medicare without hurting seniors. And I also think that the media is just taking, you know, the Democrat talking points and running with it, telling people they're going to lower drug costs. I actually think this is more likely to raise drug costs for a couple of reasons. Uh, Dana, first of all, they impose an inflation cap on drug prices. So drug companies can increase drugs more than the rate of inflation in any given year. Uh, But the rate of inflation right now is about 8%, right? And drugs have only been going up about 2.5%. So if you tell all the drug companies, in the future, you'll only be able to increase, no matter what happens, 
by the inflation rate, I think they're all going to take the maximum because you know that's going to be the incentive. They're not going to know what the future holds. And so when prices have only been going up by uh, 2.5%, they're all going to take the maximum. They're all going to go up 8%. So all the existing drugs are going to become more expensive. And then the launch price for new drugs, when mm-hmm. they are developed, I think those are going to be much, much higher for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, they don't. They know in the future they're not going to be able to raise prices more than inflation no matter what. So they've got an incentive to come in very high and then maybe cut them, maybe not. But I think that's going to force launch prices up. But also the whole economic logic of the industry changes, right? Because now you don't want to be one of those 15 biggest, most successful drugs where the secretary can set your price. You want to kind of be like right below that. So you want to have, you want to set your price so that you'll be popular, but not too popular. So I think seniors are really going to lose out. I think that fewer drugs are going to be developed. The ones that are developed are going to be more expensive, not less. I think this is going to blow up in their faces. And, you know, if, if I'm being really cynical, Dana, I think they don't really plan to ever implement this. They're going to shake down the industry for a bunch of money. And before it actually takes effect in 2026, they're going to end up scuttling it because it's so unworkable. But they're going to raise a fortune in campaign contributions in the interim. This is one of the craziest things. It's a Rube Goldberg design that doesn't actually accomplish what it's set up to accomplish. We're talking to Phil Kirpin, who is a walking encyclopedia about all of this. And you're, I mean, I, I, this is, I just can't imagine the impact on, uh, you were talking about the impact on seniors. I was looking, you had set, you had stated in your piece that uh, the analysis of, well, it was one of the earlier uh, earlier versions of this plan, but still, University of Chicago, they found that when you're looking at new drugs being developed, it would lead to between 167 to 324 fewer drugs being developed over the next two decades. Uh, that's, we can't, I mean, I just think of, you know, just to throw out, uh, you know, one of the most basic examples I can, uh, antibiotic resistance. I mean, that would affect something, I mean, that's that all is included in, in being affected by this, correct? Yeah, no question. Uh, the economist who's got the model for this is a guy named Thomas Phillipson at the University of Chicago. And I think he did run his model on the final bill and it was a hundred and some drugs that wouldn't be developed. So it was, you know, not as much as the earlier versions, Still. but that's because they're just trying to get a foot in the door. You look at what Peter Welch from Vermont said, uh, who you know helped off these provisions. He said, this is just the first step. We'll be able to come back to this when we need money for other spending in the future and expand this. And so, you know, look, I mean, if you uh, if you tell the industry, which spends an insane amount of money on R&D, that if you have that breakthrough, if you have that drug that really you know, becomes the new standard for something that millions of people want, uh, we're now going to limit your upside, essentially. We're going to cap what the return on that investment is, because when you become one of the most popular drugs, the secretary of HHS is going to set the price. They could set it very low. Uh, that's like a nuclear bomb going off for research and development because the the incentive for doing hundreds of billions of dollars of R&D every year, which is what the industry does, is, you know, a lot of those drugs will fail, but some of them will be massive hits and that pays for doing all of that R&D and so forth. If you cut up, cut off that upside, you say if you if it's risky to be too successful because the secretary is going to come in and set your price and under the threat of a 95% tax, uh, you're going to get a lot less R&D. You know, I, I don't know if he specifically ran the numbers for uh, new antibiotics, but he did run the numbers for cancer drugs. And uh, this was one of the most remarkable things. And uh, Philipson has an article on Newsweek where he goes through this. But he said that the impact on how much R&D for cancer drugs will be cut in the private sector from this bill, it's nine times the amount of money that they put in in Joe Biden's cancer moonshot. So it's nine times, the cut is nine times larger 
than the increase uh, that Biden called a moonshot for cancer drugs. So if this is allowed to stand, it's going to really have a devastating effect on the development of new drugs. I don't know how the Congressional Budget Office claims that it'll only prevent 15 new drugs from being developed if hundreds of billions of dollars are coming out, you know, pretty much coming out directly from the industry. Uh, they have an extreme lowball on that. But even with that lowball, they're agreeing that we're going to have new drugs that aren't developed as a consequence of that. And I, I wonder uh, how all the Democrats who voted for this defend that. Yeah, and that's the key point, talking with Phil Kirp. And uh, last question for you, Phil. You, know, you said if it's allowed to stand, I mean, that's that kind of key question. Everyone's looking ahead to midterms. I mean, I, I, I mean, is it as something as simple as, oh, well, we'll just repeal. We'll just repeal this bill. We'll just Republicans will get rid of it because some of the stuff, it gets so entrenched. I don't know if it's just as easy as you know, it just that's a layman's way of doing it. But I don't know if that's actually feasible politically, if they have the political will to. Well, I think it's pretty hard. You know, obviously, you know, they passed this with a simple majority, so it could be repealed with a simple majority, right. but you need to have a president who would sign it. Exactly. Obviously, I don't think Biden's going to sign it. So, you know, uh, but 2026, of course, will be after there's a presidential election. And so I think a lot of this will depend on what <laughs> we'll happens. We'll go that and, far. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, look, you don't set an effective date of 2026 because you definitely want something to happen. Right. You set it because you kind of maybe want it to happen. But you definitely want the score so you can spend the money according to the score but i really would not be surprised if they don't ever intend to allow this to occur and they're just shaking the tree of the pharmaceutical industry for you know political support and so forth i mean it'll be interesting one of the things to really watch is does the industry now abandon democrats and say wait these guys are not our friends they're trying to destroy us let's actually support republicans and get it repealed or do they say no let's throw a ton of money at democrats and get them to change their mind They'll oh, probably kind of try good. to do both. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. That's the million-dollar question, and that's definitely what we will watch. Phil Kirpin, always so good to talk with you. I appreciate you joining us and breaking this down. President of American Commitment and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Thank you so much. We appreciate all of your all of your stuff on this. Is always spot on. Thank you so much for your time today. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. This dude is a creepy creeperson. So on August 16th, Helmuth Kolb, Helmuth is his name. Is Hell a nickname for him? Anyway, he allegedly tried to purchase a girl from her parents for $100,000 at a grocery store. This is so gross. It was a minor. She was at a Winn-Dixie grocery store. He approached the parent and tried to make a deal, according to Port Orange Police Department. He told the child's mother how pretty she was, followed them to the parking lot where he yelled at the mother before offering $100,000. He is a registered sexual offender. Oh, my gosh. They are still investigating it. The parents obviously called police. He was arrested and taken to Volusia County Branch Jail, and he's on probation for similar issues already. He was told he couldn't have any more contact with with minors. He said that they said Mr. Kolb should have simply stuck to grocery shopping. And this is not the first time he tried this. In 2018, he tried to buy an eight-year-old for 200000 in a Walmart. Why is he alive? Right. Child predators should be immediately put to death. Why is he alive? Seriously. That's like death penalty. You're done. Your case is over. You lose. You're convicted. Drag him out to the back. Boom. Done. I just, I no tolerance for this. You, we, we perpetuate this stuff by, by tolerating it, by not removing these people off planet Earth. Just there's no I'm sorry, there's no rehabilitation for that. A DoorDash driver is accused of stealing an Amazon package. The sad the the thing is, is it was the same person 
who delivered the Amazon package it, and the DoorDash driver. They're both the same person. So after they, the DoorDash employee, he had dropped off apparently an order earlier from Amazon and then came back with a DoorDash order and <laughs> stole the package. And this is of uh, Kissimmee, Florida. And it's all on camera. Polk County Sheriff's Office said it was a crime of opportunity. And they got the uh, guy's uh, license plate, this tag number license plate, all that stuff. He told authorities that he took it as a prank. But now he faces a charge of burglary and petty theft. So you can't be doing stuff like that. That's no. Uh, This Florida man, he's... I noticed in his mugshot, he's got like a, he, he chucked pizza at a senior and he got charged with felony. He, it looks like he's got stitches in the middle of his forehead on his mugshot. Clearwater man was charged with two felonies for throwing pizza at a person 65 years or older during an argument Sunday afternoon. Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, Kyle Bartholomus, 44 of Clear, that guy's 44. He's 44. How is this guy 44? He looks 74, 64, 74? Yeah, Dude is not 44. Them some lies. Sorry. The woman told him to lower his voice because he was drinking and taking Xanax and he was real loud. Oh. And they got into an argument and a third person intervened, separating Bartholomew and the woman with whom he was arguing. And Bartholomew continued to argue and then he started throwing stuff out of his freezer at the victim. And they also grabbed a piece of pizza and threw it at a third person, hitting them in the chest. And because they were 65 or older, that's a special charge. It's kind of wild, isn't it? Wow. Like, you, if, if Kane, if he threw the pizza at you, yeah. I mean, maybe you could say it's... It'd be a misdemeanor? Is, that, is it, though? It'd I mean, a, were you... Wouldn't it be assault? Were you murdered? Like, I even don't know. if you spit on somebody or throw water well, on them, Well, if you spit on someone, that's nasty. Te- well, sure it is. But technically, that's assault. I mean, I get it. Well, there's assault and battery. I think there's, like, you know, legal difference with, with certain things. Anyway, long story short... Uh, he got in a lot of trouble. His criminal record includes charges of DUI, resisting, aggravated battery, blah, 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 crack cocaine, trespass. I mean, he's got a lot. So if he's, it was a stupid veggie pizza, I'd prosecute. If he threw a veggie pizza? If yeah. he had a veggie pizza, I think I would give him an extra charge. Yeah, exactly. You prosecute. know, for just having crap pizza. That's not real pizza. That's like Fullest extent of the that's law. vegetables pretending to be a pizza. That's not pizza. It's not real. Uh, let's see. Last quick, last quick headline. Florida woman punched a manager who wouldn't sell her alcohol. When she was arrested, she told the cops, yeah, arrest me because I hit her. Okay. It was in Silver Springs, Circle K. She, uh, I mean, she does look old enough to buy liquor, but she wouldn't produce the uh, ID. So that's how that happened. Stick with us. we got a lot more in store. Third hour next. Country. You know, oftentimes in American politics, we think melodramatically. And what I mean by that is we have these clear examples of, of good and evil. This is the evil character. If we only could banish that evil character, then we will all be good. We will be absolved of our sins. We just need to see the back of Donald Trump's head and we'll be, everything will be fine. But we know that as we slouch towards Bethlehem, there are other oh my gosh! Who are complicit? Drama. I feel like I'm listening to like a a, a summer's eve commercial. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Dana Lash here with you Thursday, and we're starting our third hour. That was some I don't know. I just thought it was so dramatic. It was just it was worth it to be played. Is this is it an MSNBC fool? If only we could banish evil character. Then that's how this is how the left is talking about the right 
it's wild. Welcome back to the show. Which makes me, I, I got to play this for you. The, we've, cause, which one we, we, we played earlier, Corinne Jean-Pierre. She fielded some questions about this. Yeah, two or four. Yeah, two, uh, well, either one. Um, where she was saying that people who voted for Trump are essentially a threat to democracy. Listen to this. Audio somebody too. The president thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, what? The president has been clear as he can no, be he hasn't. on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. I don't understand what that means. They so badly do not take the bait on this Republicans. Do not let other people fight it out like me. This attempt to well it's you know the maga republicans they they want to the whole the squad really hurt the left really hurt them and now what they want to do is they want to try to create a squad or what they think is the equivalent of that within the republican party and it's not it i don't think that's that's not going to work what maga is the maga just seems for make america great again why did that get why is that so controversial to them corinne jean-pierre says oh it's they're so it's a threat to democracy well we have a democratic process and a republic so it's half correct but what threat specifically none of these people can ever articulate anything specific they just say these this these vagaries well it's just you know it's bunch of vagary about threats and democracy and all that but they don't ever actually articulate anything concrete anything i mean if they view their way of administration to be the only legitimate i guess form of government then everything looks like a threat doesn't it but that's that's where they're coming from that's what they're that's how they're looking at this Oh, my goodness. This is all just theater, and it's going to be theater tonight, too, because he's giving a speech about the battle for the soul of the nation, and they are trying to make it out like Trump is so dangerous, and they want so badly for Republicans to only work and operate and respond off of Trump. And you can't. They don't want to talk about their issues. Do not give them a pass by making this about personality over policy. Do not give these people a pass. This is, honestly, this is kind of worse than basket of deplorables. It really is. Audio soundbite four. What, when she talks about it, what, what extremism is she talking about here? Listen to this. On the speech tomorrow, President Biden said uh, in his victory speech in November 2020 that he sought this office to restore the soul of the nation. So where does the White House believe the country is in that restoration process? Look, he, he has said this before, that it's going to take some work. You've heard him say that, you've heard us say that, um, but what he is not going to do is shy away, again, from calling out uh, extremism that he is seeing, uh, these MAGA Republicans. He is not going to shy away from that. Uh, is there more work to do? Absolutely. What extremism? Like, for real, what? What extremism? What? I keep they they keep saying this. I don't know what they're talking about. What what extremism? Any ideas? He's his whole speech is going to be about this tonight. 
How much you want to bet he's not going to, he's just, he's, it's all going to be a bunch of vagary. Extremism? I mean, have you tried talking to Steve Scalise or Rand Paul or crisis pregnancy centers or some of the churches out there? Anybody that wore a red hat? Right? I mean, there was a, uh, an actress whose mom had a 60th birthday party and some of the people in the photos had a red hat that said make 60 great again, but it was too close to a MAGA hat. So they were trying to get her fired and the rage mob was getting going. You tell me about extreme again. I mean, you're, you're, you're pushing for mutilation, experimental mutilation and lying to everybody and acting like it's a form of health care. What, what is it about extreme again? What? Just wondering. It's going to be a, a it's, I, I just, this is a weird, it's a weird address that he's giving in prime time. It's a campaign speech. It's this is not what you're supposed to be using, you know, primetime addresses for. If you want to have a discussion about fascism, I think having a primetime speech and forcing networks to carry it and you're talking about your campaign tactics, essentially, and not actual policy or anything that is specific government constituent relations. That's a little fascist to me. You know, that sounds a little extreme, right? You want to have a discussion about extreme It's really, it's divisive, man. This is so ridiculous. When you use this kind of language and you, well, it's a threat that these people pose. I'm not going to get into any specifics because then I would have to actually betray my claim. But it is a threat, et cetera, et cetera. Then you want, then you, I mean, you can't honestly be surprised that, you know, people like that loser that went and tried to kill a bunch of congressional members on a ball field. I mean, he was freaking out about health care, had a whole hit list and a manifest and everything, manifesto and everything. I mean, you can't, people take that seriously. If they, if you have people convinced that the opposition is the worst thing that could ever happen ever and they're so horrible and this is so dangerous, et cetera, et cetera, then yeah, they, you know, then you can look at other people as as domestic terrorists if they speak out at a school board meeting or uh, look at them as a great threat. I just think it's irresponsible, reckless language. It It's really, really reckless. And I, you can, you're really seeing this party for who it is. I don't know what, uh, I don't, I don't know what the speech is. I just have a, I just, I think this is just going to be bad. Do you think there's going to be any policy, Kane, that he shares at all whatsoever? I mean, we could be talking about energy independence. We could be talking about, I mean, per, uh, inflation, uh, a yeah, million nothing, things. I don't think he'll talk about anything that actually is a negative for him right now, which would be the economy. Which would be anything. Which would be immigration, which would be pretty much anything. He'll probably tout the gun reform Yeah, thing he's going to do that again. Um, he'll definitely talk about MAGA Republicans. We should do a bingo drinking game tonight. On this, I, d- I don't want to die. I know we would. <laughs> well, we're not on Friday, so it'd be like we have a whole day to recover. Yeah, but I don't want to die. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it's it's golly. But he'll either he'll either um, exaggerate, lie, or just you know babble on about something incoherently, and that'll be tonight. How long is his speech expected to go for? That's one of the things that I was looking. Uh, because it's, I mean, I would imagine he's going to at least like a half hour or so. Yeah. Prime time. I would, they'd probably give him an hour, but I don't know if he can do all that. <laughs> I don't know if he can do an hour either. I, well, he's start. he's, he tweeted a little bit ago, quote, 
uh, I am determined to ban assault weapons in this country. I did it once before and I'll do it again. Well, he didn't actually ban rifles. He banned cosmetic features on rifles. The quote-unquote assault weapons ban. So imagine this. Imagine you have... I'm trying to like think of something I can... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of a common everyday item that uh, I can... Imagine that uh, your laptop, you have a hard case on it. And then you know how some people put the little uh, silicone different color that uh, makes your keyboard look like the keys are different color and all that. Sometimes it's just to protect it. And then some people have the things that they put. I have one of these, the thing that you put on your camera and you slide it back and forth if you need it. So just to like in layman's terms, imagine that someone passes an assault laptop law where they said that you could only have like one of those things on your laptop. Otherwise it makes it work faster. And you're like, but wait a minute, this is, it's a case for my laptop. And this is just a silicone thing that goes over the keys. And this is just a thing for the camera. Oh, no, no, no. The presence of all three of these items makes it more dangerous. It makes it perform faster and at higher velocity. But it doesn't actually work for the way, no, 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 it doesn't matter. Makes it look scary. That's the, that's basically what, I mean, that's exactly just swipe, just swip out, uh, uh, remove the laptop, swap the laptop for the rifle, and there you go. So essentially, he's he's somebody who, and by the way, these are all Democrats who don't know anything about guns, who are going to be talking to a bunch of people who also know nothing about guns, so they can later go and tell people who do know about guns how wrong they are about guns. Yeah. Now, there were some things that were banned, some rifles that were banned in California, but the assault weapons ban that was in... Uh, in effect in the 90s i mean that it did and it actually i've written so many times about this i'm just like blue in the face with it it didn't actually it didn't do anything there was a, a department of justice survey that was released uh, and this was i was it 2016 that it, it didn't have any effect had no effect on crime did not lower crime uh the rand institute not exactly you know super conservative had no effect on crime it didn't have any effect on it didn't lower crime it didn't do what they said it was going to do because they're talking about commonly owned semi-automatic rifles that according to all of the criminal statistics that are collected year by year and available on the secret thing that we call the internet, the majority is illegally possessed handguns. Over 77% of those are obtained according to a separate Department of Justice survey that was released in 2019 on the black market. They're not rifles. In fact, there are more people killed every year from blunt objects than they are the exact type of rifles that they're talking about banning. So this isn't about saving lives. Back in the 90s, they wanted to ban handguns, but they realized that more they were so commonly owned and so that they couldn't do it. So they decided there's probably more people that perhaps have handguns than they would have semi-automatic, what some people call sporting rifles. So let's just make those sound scary and we'll start there. And that'll be the first step. And then we'll expand it. It had no effect. And he keeps saying this stuff over and over again as though if he just says it, that alters history. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Twitter is launching a test of an edit button. A small group of people can choose to edit certain like later tweets. It's the number one most requested feature by users. 
And they said it may be potentially coming. They're rolling it out to Twitter Blue subscribers only. I am not going to pay for a company that shadow bans me and has like deleted hundreds of thousands of my followers just so I can edit something. I think it's ridiculous. You want to pay to just like be further suppressed? Oh my gosh, get bent so many ways. Get bent so bad. Break in half. Oh my gosh. All right, uh, let's see. A bear crashed a couple's wedding. It was in a park, national park, and it ate a moose during the vows. It's actually pretty amazing. Right as the groom finished his vows at the service, guests heard a cr- strangled cry from the opposite bank of the river. It, for, first off, like having literally right there by a river is probably not the best idea because that's where bears are super, super active. But um, Newsweek reported the story. It said the uh, photographer that was filming the ceremony identified the source as a moose thrashing in the claws of a grizzly. And this is someone said, yeah, this is why uh, we probably shouldn't have services on the North Bank. The bear continued its meal while wedding guests watched. And wow, that's wild. So that's yeah, maybe don't like during you know bear season stuff. You know, maybe don't be right there on the bank of a river and national park. I'm just no, just saying. Uh, this is I remember watching. Uh, I used to watch this show called Scare Tactics, and there was at one point where uh, at one of the episodes one of the guys was yelling monkey with a gun monkey with a gun well apparently there was like a monkey hunting team and uh a woman got shot with a tranquilizer dart held by the monkey it was a group of inept monkey hunters in japan and she they apparently a monkey got a hold of the trank gun and shot one of the woman with the shot the woman with a tranquilizer and they i mean I don't know why I find this so funny. City officials said that, oh, they, she, I mean, she ended up getting help and she's okay. Uh, it's the, how do you say this? Is it the macaques? That's like, they've had a huge problem with these across Japan, apparently. So I just think it's hysterical. Anyway, I, I had to share, I had to share that with you. Uh, also, the United States got a warrant uh, for seizure of a $45 million airplane owned by a Russian energy company. There was one. Let me find this one. Uh, This top Russian oil executive, I'm sure this is totally by accident. He just fell out of a window to death. Do you know that? Just, you know, I mean, that happens, right? You're just walking by a window and you fall out of it to death. Yeah, it's this guy. It's uh, Luke Oil. They had a statement. They said, no, no, no. He passed away after a severe illness. Yeah, that illness is called falling out of a window, which I'm sure that was just totally by accident, right? Real sure. Stick with us. We got more in store. The president's giving a primetime campaign speech tonight attacking Republicans as extreme irony. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. He's trying to distract from his disasters that he's created in this country. The problem with Joe Biden is he does not understand the soul of America. The tens of millions of hardworking, law-abiding citizens that he vilifies that simply want to have a say in their kids' education to go to a school board meeting, want a gasoline price that they can afford, no longer wants inflation to continue to rise, afraid to go out in their streets to be safe again. They want a stronger, safer, more prosperous America, and all he does is vilify them to distract from the disasters and no plan he has to save America from where we are. That's Kevin McCarthy, and he's correct ahead of the president's speech in which he's apparently, it's the way it's being reported on, it's styled as a battle for the soul of America. It's a campaign speech that he is bizarrely holding during uh, primetime. 
I mean, it's it's wild. Incredibly ironic, too, because everybody else is, is, you know, everybody else is extreme, but not him. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Dana Lash here. Bottom of our third hour ahead of Labor Day weekend. And this is his way to try, as I said this yesterday, he wants to change the debate ahead of midterms instead of this being about the economy and inflation and all of the things that McCarthy just mentioned. Biden wants this to be a contest of personalities. He's saying that it's Republicans who actually don't like law enforcement. And it's, uh, you know, he he said you can't be pro-law enforcement and pro-insurrection. Who's pro-insurrection? Who is that? Who's pro-insurrection? What does it even mean? King, we've never been pro-insurrection, have we? No. I mean, it's kind of, you know, rhetorical because, I mean, I don't ever remember... We were on air when it happened, and we were talking about it as it happened. And it wasn't an insurrection. It was a breakaway riot from uh, a really peaceful rally that was held blocks away. They act like it was just across the street. Nobody knows, like, I guess, geography in Washington, D.C. You can't go from basically being in front of the White House all the way down the National Mall to where uh, to, to the Capitol, to where Congress is. You can't, you can't do that. It's that there, there's some distance there unless there was like, you know, wormholes break in the space time continue. I don't know. Anyway, he's he's saying you can't be pro insurrection and pro law enforcement as though Republicans are pro insurrection. That doesn't even mean anything. That's so stupid. It's like it's like as dumb as saying the riots on 2016 2016 when Trump won. It's, it's as dumb as saying that was an, an insurrection. I don't believe those riots were an insurrection. I believe it was a bunch of leftists who are always violent and they decided to riot after Trump won in 2016, causing lots of destruction. Was it an insurrection? No. But if you guys, if the left wants to define insurrections as stupidly as they do, then boy, oh boy, they're not going to like the outcome of this. They're not going to like, you know, really. I mean, what about when, uh, Demo- when, when you had Democrats that bombed the, the Senate Hart building? It was back in the 70s. You want to have a discussion about insurrection? Good grief. They are really, that's why they keep going on with this J6 stuff. He's attacking and smearing half of the country, is what he's doing. Media is helping him do this. He's smearing, part of this is Biden is trying to prevent any challenges to him, his, his, you know, being the incumbent and running again ahead of 2024 so biden because of the way he's doing this i'm just i I mean unless something serious you know else happens with his health i can't imagine him not running again in 2024 because this is the message that he's taking he's trying to make this about trump because the only way that he can stay in it is if it's about trump that's ultimately it if you notice newsom and all these others they're trying to position themselves as the 2024 heir and they are he's careful not to hit Biden, but he also completely he, he, he'll target uh, he's targeting Ron DeSantis. Newsom is acting like, you know, Trump's not going to run in 2024 and Biden's not going to Biden's not going to be a consideration of Trump uh, run. So Newsom is putting all in to go after DeSantis in Florida. He's anticipating that challenge. That matchup. It, it's it's so offensive for the president of the United States who promised everyone unity and inclusion for him to 
I mean, prime time, this is what he's doing. So he's going to be, according to a couple of media outlets, he's focusing on, oh goodness, uh, Republicans are bad, ban the guns. What else is he? Uh, some like vague threats, etc. That's that's apparently what they're what they're going to focus on. That's not anything about country's business. That's about campaign stuff. Now ahead of. I, I told you first hour that in Alaska they had a special election and that seat, Sarah Palin lost that seat. She ended up losing that seat to a, a, a Democrat. It's like the first time now, I think since 73, since 1973, that there is going to be a Democrat in that seat. Now, the way that they did the elections, it was the way they did the election there was really, was really weird. Um, they... And I do think that there might be, I think there's something to it. I have some of my more moderate Republican friends that disagree with us, but I don't know about that. I don't know that I know, I don't know if that I, I think that they're correct. Uh, but this seat, she lost to Democrat Mary uh, Peltola. And they were, they had changed, I think, what, in 2020, the way that they held their, uh, ra- how they did rank choice uh, voting. So they so that's when voters rank the candidates that they like and then they begin they begin eliminating the candidates based on the number of first choice preferences they received. Isn't that kind of weird? Is that weird? What why why that vote way of voting? That's kind of weird, right? I was reading about this, the rank choice and it's a, a new way of doing it. It's a new, a new way that they've done it because they've this is not something that they've uh, had for a while. But I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird that that's, you know, so that's she ended up losing to this Democrat. So she lost. She lost her congressional bid. I don't know if she, you know, I, I and no, I don't think that this means despite the fact and this is what I'm pulling it for you now. The media is really trying to claim that this means a bad thing coming up for Republicans in November. Kane's already shaking his head. You're already shaking your head? You don't believe them? Yeah. Well, I mean, she barely campaigned, honestly. Palin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she didn't really campaign like you would expect somebody who is really wanting to go after that seat. And yeah, again, I think like like you call it the uh, was it the RCV? Yeah. So, that was born out of the pandemic, and I think there's an argument as to whether or not it's still needed. Um but it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. She didn't campaign like she should have, and, and here we are. Well, and, I mean, it, it's, it, it's just, I just, but I don't think that this means that Republicans are in trouble. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that it, I, and I don't know if I can say that it was unfair. There was, apparently, the reason that she lost is because the other Republican <laughs> on the ballot, Nick Begich, 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 I don't know. They, the people who were supporting him made uh, Republican, made the Democrat their second choice over her, or they didn't list a second choice, which is stupid, by the way. That's so dumb because you guys, you know, you ended up owning yourselves and now you got a damn Democrat as your congressional representative. That's just dumb. When I see people do that, honestly, I get livid. You, you end up walking into a Democrat laid trap beautifully. And you just were, I mean, you did their work better than they could. 
people died for you know for for the right and yes there's 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 voter fraud people die to protect the right to vote yes there's voter fraud and but in a situation like this when because apparently this guy i i mean they wanted him or nobody they wanted him or the democrat i guess that's so lame and the ranked choice it's kind of it just seems a little convoluted i agree with tom cotton he had said that it was a convoluted process and it was ballot exhaustion. And he said that ultimately disenfranchises voters. He says it's a scam. Ballot exhaustion, I think, is um, I think is something. I think that might be something. But yeah, the Democrat, the Democrat won 60% of voters ultimately cast. I mean, they said they cast ballots for Republicans, but a Democrat won. But it's the ranked choice. uh, They had Peltola defeated Palin 51 to 48. And it was the final round of ranked choice. I don't know. I I do think that there's something to the, the ballot exhaustion to keep having to do it. I do get that. I think that there's something. But you got to keep your people motivated. People should just be... Here's the thing. Candidates shouldn't have to keep people motivated. I hate this, that this is like a talking point. Every election. Oh, we got to keep our voters motivated. We got... Look, simply wanting to not have someone horrible represent you should be enough to keep you motivated, right? But contrary to this, this does not mean that Republicans are in trouble across the nation. It really doesn't. It, it, I know the media is going with that. You're going to see a lot of it. That's not what it means. Now, in the meantime... Rick Scott and apparently Mitch McConnell. Rick Scott heads up the NRSC, National Republican Senatorial Committee. He's getting a lot of criticism because a lot of people are thinking that there's, you know, there's a not a big of a chance for Republicans to take over the Senate as there is the House. And it's, you know, these are they have a lot of criticisms of the way that NRSC, et cetera, you know, is going. And they think that um, they want him. There are certain races that they want NRSC to be a little bit more involved in. And so. They had Mitch McConnell who said, well, you need to have good candidates as opposed to bad candidates. And Rick Scott had a shot, a pot shot. at I don't like Rick Scott. He had a pot shot at Mitch McConnell. And I'm ambivalent about McConnell, to be honest. He gave this interview to the Washington Examiner. And he said that many of the people responsible for losing the Senate last cycle want us to stop uh, from winning the majority this time by trash talking our candidates. He said it was cowardice, treasonous to the conservative cause, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, when you lament that we have bad candidates, what you're saying is you have contempt for the voters who chose them. Now, I do think that there's something to that. Because voters are always representative of the people who elect them. Except when you have, and I'm going to say it, and I do think, look, This does not mean you hate Trump to say that his endorsement of somebody like Dr. Oz was bad. And it was bad. It was a bad endorsement. And I don't think I really question whether or not Oz would have been put over the top as the nominee had it not been for Trump's push. He was friends with him. I mean, I get it. He's made a lot of good picks. This was not one of them. And I think some of the people advising him on some of these are just. That being said, there's a yes and no there. I do think that you you need to realize, like in Pennsylvania, regardless of Trump's involvement or not, that guy won the plurality of the vote. And you can't be resentful and use your resentment towards a candidate as a proxy re, a proxy resentment towards voters. You can't. But at the same time, 
for Rick Scott to be this vocal about it with with uh, McConnell, the only reason McConnell was this vocal about it or even said anything, he was asked because Rick Scott hasn't been saying anything about it. Rick Scott's NRSC has been kind of MIA on some of the pushback on this na- these narratives in these campaigns. So he's he wants to duck that criticism and say, no, 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 it's this guy. He's the Senate majority leader. Well, would be if we had a Republican majority. He's the minority leader in the Senate. But, dude, you had the NRSC. You were literally responsible for all of these races and making sure that they have what they need financially and they've got their ad buys and that they're covered. That's literally your job. I just I can't stand the argument over ineptitude in party leadership. But yes, you can't sit. You got to go to to war with the with the soldiers you got. And if you don't vote for us, you're going to get a gun banning Fetterman, who will reject any criticism of anything he does. With I had a stroke while he makes fun of everybody else. That's not just you. You, you know how you got to pull the lever. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern time. And sign up for the newsletter, Substack, over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. It's in the link of, like, all of my social media profiles, so you can find it there. Uh, Make sure you go and check that out. And I'm not going to be on air tomorrow, uh, ahead of Labor Day, at the request of everybody who works on this program, because they all wanted an additional, because we were, nobody, nobody's, nobody's really on air on Monday. So they all wanted an additional day. So we are not sir our brother sergio from southern command is in tomorrow kurv and if there's i'll send i'll have a i'll I'll have a newsletter depending on what how the speech actually goes if it's as bad as i'm anticipating that it's going to be because if you hear all these i don't know if you've seen some of the responses from some of the speech writers that haven't just worked with republican presidents in the past but even democrat presidents in the past speechwriters tend to tend to uh lean pretty young uh the time that they're working for uh the elected official it just i mean they are and all of them have said yeah it's a little odd that there's not you know usually it's like a big policy thing or something that's like very just clinical like it's uh you know they're te- like a like when bush did it it was 9-11 and uh the only i think clinton's only thing was after the Lewinsky thing where he addressed it uh so there was not there's it's really unusual it's just re- it's just weird it's weird and i just i i and especially since it's going to be delivered as though it's like a, a, a an official like in his presidential capacity this has to relate to just government operations and yet it's going to be a campaign speech everything that i've said it's going to be a campaign speech there's not a media outlet who's not trading it like that even the far left one so i just it's weird and you want to have a discussion about extreme and a little fascistic there you go it's i i'm not it's really uncomfortable and if it's anything like what he did the other day which it sounds like it's going to be from everything that all the media outlets who've, who've gotten a look at excerpts have seen it's going to be really nasty today's stupidity came yeah they're desperate so they need that prime time mm. all right it'll be uh Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer uh, Granholm. Yes. Oh, boy. L- listen to how you can save money, kids. What's really important is that the president recognizes we're in this moment right now where supply did not meet demand. Demand was going up. Supply was not there. And that's why he wanted to increase supply. But ultimately, it demonstrates that we have to move to clean 
reliable energy. Oh, reliable. Uh, and that's why he's really put a big emphasis on moving in that direction so that we can, you know, plug in electric vehicles and have solar But California just said yeah. they want to ban gas-powered vehicles. Yeah. And they told everyone to limit their usage of electrical stuff, unplug stuff, because of the grid. Which Stress is, on the grid. Which is why she's... Imagine how much worse it's going to be with all those EVs. Folks, that does it for us tonight. I'll be back on the air with you next Tuesday. Have a glorious weekend. God bless.